as you turn back to Ephesians 5, um, I, I, I'm continuously and over and over again, and it just keeps compounding, but just I agonize over how we view Scripture. I, I'm, I'm nothing w- without God's Word. Nothing. I, I know nothing. My, my desires are impure, selfish, uh, selfishly driven desires w- without God's correction. And I don't, even, I don't even know what love is. I have no idea what love is. Look at how, look at how the world defines love, and we're gonna we'll look at the verse later, and how the Bible defines love. When was the last time you saw a Hallmark a Hallmark movie based on that? And, and those aren't like the worst ones, right? Um, the world is clueless about what love is. The world is clueless about what ethics are. They even have like tweaked out, you know, some, some new definitions. We'll call that situational ethics in business, right? Well, what does that mean? Well, you know, at home and at church, I'm a, I'm a, a God-fearing, you know, honor the Bible. It's really easy to be spiritual in here, right? But when you're getting ready for a business deal and, you know, maybe in a sales pitch, and all you got to do is just tweak, tweak it just a little bit. Um, it's the situation dictates it right so my situational ethics is well it's it's not really going to hurt anybody per se um well we live in this era with you know all this and, and we're and we're playing with words what's the difference between misinformation and disinformation miss or disinformation they're both bad and somehow we're like debating over, well, it's, you know, and, and for some it's okay, for others it's not. It's like, you know, it's that, that idea of a, a, a half truth is a whole lie, right? Miss or disinformation is wrong information. When we talk about, you know, well, okay, we, we don't want to just put a pejorative over, you know, like it's fake news. Well, why is it fake? Because they're giving disinformation or misinformation. Um, that creeps throughout society. It creeps into our, our pop culture, into the music we listen to, the TV shows we watch, the movies we watch. And so we see now that, well, in, in our world, as we're trying to navigate through life, as we're trying to navigate through Ephesians, and Ephesians is calling us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling of Christ who died for us. Great. How? Well, here's an example. Ephesians 5, we get into this, this section of marriage. This is a way for us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. It's no joke. It's serious. But we're in a battle. We're in a battle with, with coming here before God's word and saying, this is how I live. This is how I conduct my marriage. This is how I define it. Well, the world says something else. So do we jive what the world is saying? You know, the world is saying, well, you know, look, let's get one thing straight. Men are tyrants, right? I mean, the, the, the white male patriarchy, I mean, you can't walk two steps without hearing that phrase. Which is always hilarious to me because I, I think, well, I don't even know who white is. Am I white? Anybody who knows me knows I'm not white. Um, I look white. Um, you know, I was, I'm, I'm from the West all my life. All my family's from the West. You know, we've had nothing to do with anything white. What about all the Irish people who came over and, you know, from the other side of the world and all the Italian people and then well, they look pretty white to me. Um, they're the oppressors. It's misinformation, but it, it's creating this, this idea that really look, let's start, let's start marriage with the idea that, that you can't trust the guys. How's that sound? 
well, boy, wouldn't I like to be involved in that? Um, males then are oppressors by definition. It's like, well, which ones? I mean, all the poor guys in Appalachia? Um, probably not. It's, a, it's, it's what we would call a, a straw man argument. Right, we we in our logical fallacies, we're gonna we're gonna create a, a, a lie, but but he's not real. Now there's some real examples of that guy, so that's real. But my argument then is, well, what about X Y Z? That guy is a terrible guy. I wouldn't want to be married to him. Well, what if A B C happens? Then can I? blow off the whole system. See, I have a, a, a cousin who has a brother who has a son, and this is what happened to him. Um, always looking for the exception. We, are, we have now crossed the line where the exception is the rule. The rule is not the exception. We, we follow a faith based on the rule. That, that, that's what the, God's word is. It's, it's called the standard. It's the rule. It's the measurement by which we live. It's our rules. It's our precepts. It's our statutes. It's our commands. It's our commandments. There's no exception. Now, do things happen in our lives? Yeah. That we have to adjust to yes things happen and most likely it's usually because of our sin when you disobey the rules and God's law then there's a consequence to that that now we have to deal with and so we we're, we're gracious and merciful like Christ but we don't change the guidelines and the rules because of that we still have standards um, you know, we see that today. We, we don't always see families that, that have a father, and there's many reasons why that might, might have happened. Um, that doesn't mean that we uh, abandon the biblical model or the biblical role of family. Um, doesn't ma mean that we abandon the principle of, of what a family is or that we just continue to make excuses. And, and that's where my heart breaks. My heart breaks, especially when I think of things like marriage counseling that, that really should be fairly simple. Let, let's get two people who have, have made a, a covenant with each other, who've made a vow before the Lord to follow this word and, let, and they should submit to the scriptures, not to me, not to each other, to the scriptures. Seems simple, right? Uh, not so simple. Why? They don't want to follow the scriptures in their life. They don't want to follow the scriptures in how they're going to resolve their issue. And so they want to make excuses and point fingers and blame shift and keep accounts of wrong suffered directly opposite of what the definition of love is. That When I first saw that, that blew my mind away. I was just stared at. You, you can't keep track of wrong. So I'm a, a baseball guy. I'm a statistical guy, an analytics guy. And you keep stats. You keep stats for a long time. Right? You use those stats. I'm not supposed to keep stats. But, but, but how do I don't keep stats? Forgive and forget. Well, that's that. That's not easy. That's why we, we, we battle through that. But see, here's the thing. Our belief, our understanding, our culture, our society, it, it's, it's like jello. It, it wiggles, right? And what standard are we going by? America? Africa? Asia? I mean, what, what, what year are we going to pick of, of how we live? Um, so we stick with Scripture. Scripture is consistent. How many times have we come to Scripture and we're reading it, we look up and say, you know, that was written 2,000 years ago? 
And it sounds like it was written yesterday. Why? Because scripture is alive. It's living, active, and alive. Why? Because it's God breathed. It's from God himself. It doesn't change. The scripture warns us, be very, very careful about adding or subtracting one little dot, that little dot above the eye. Be careful. That's God's word you're changing. I, I have a strict warning as a teacher to be careful. My, my soul is at stake when, when, when I come and, and I present to you, this is then how we shall then live. Better be sure I'm going to look at Scripture and go, and, you, and we've done this many times. Let me define it this way. Let me just read it. We'll let God's Word explain it because God does it better than I do. And it stands on its own. Um, we're going to see today, and we're, we're, we're coming into the, like, one of the most controversial sections in the Bible. It's silly. It's one of the most straightforward sections in the Bible. It, it's not contingent upon understanding the Greek or understanding, you know, you're you know, doing an amazing exegesis on it, knowing your grammar, you know, understanding, well, in this time, has nothing to do with that. It's straightforward. It should be the easiest thing we do. And yet this is one of the hardest. And most churches are, are dancing around it. And it's like some kind of slippery slope. Well, meanwhile, the whole foundation of of marriage and family is built on this. And we wonder why it's falling apart because we don't follow just some simple basic tenets. Scripture has been consistent from the very beginning. We see that, that there's a chain of command from day one, Adam, the, the, the man, the head of the house to always the eldest man in the tribe, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the eldest grandparent, the oldest son, the husband is accountable for the welfare of the house. It's never changed. Never. Every single example we see is that example um, throughout Scripture. But again, what do we hear? We hear marriage is dead. Marriage is dead. What are we doing? It's, it's, it's a, it's, marriage is a piece of paper. Marriage is a covenant vow before the Lord. Marriage is something that God created, not Washington government. It's not just a piece of paper. This idea, well, let's, let's change it. Well, we could do like this kind of civil union thing or shacking up because really all we're talking about is, is two people coming together and sharing a bank account, right? I mean, it's just a kind of a, just a legal exchange. That's what marriage really is. We do crazy things like uh, prenups, right? Whatever. We're going to get married. I love you, sweetheart. You're the best thing ever happened to me. When we uh, break up, uh, let's, let's make an agreement right now. <laughs> Have you ever heard of anything so absurd? And yet that's a normal thing. You know, divorce is just so common that we barely make any comment about it. Divorce is painful and it hurts and it has a long lasting ripple. Praise God for his mercy that, that, that people have had divorces and, and then found a, a new spouse. And, and so many times it happened when they were not believers and now they come together and now they're believers. Praise God for that mercy. I, I do not belittle that at all, but that's not the goal. That's, that's not our, 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 a one, right? That's just how amazing God is to fix things, even when we go about them wrong. We see things now like, you know, premarital fornication and adultery and open relationships is like, that's normal. That's just a normal thing. All you have to do is just watch like the, the Hollywood elite, right? They're, they, you know, they've got you know, morals like cats, right? Like feral cats. <laughs> For some crazy reason, they get married, which is like they don't do anything that shows that they believe in the institution of marriage. And yet somehow they've got an inner desire to get married. 
And then they practice the same things that they practiced their whole life in the marriage and they get mad at each other. It's like, I met you from an adulterous relationship and now you do the same thing to me. I'm shocked. A leopard doesn't change his spots. Um, we talk about things like chastity. You know, one of the big issues of chastity before marriage is, hey, prove that you can have self-control. I'm going to have to trust you for the rest of my life, right? And, and you, you couldn't have self-control for four years in college? It's just too long, too much, too tempting? Um, have some self-control. There's a character trait in the Bible. Well, these... Exceptions now are way too common, way too common. We, we just come now and we, you know, you watch a movie. It's like, oh yeah, w multiple pieces of this are just part of the love story, right? Th th this is the love story. Th th this is the A1. Follow God's word. You will be blessed. You will be blessed. But you got to trust. So today we're going to look again at some foundations of marriage, really foundation of, of, of our life, as this is an example, like I said, in the book of Ephesians of how we walk in a manner worthy of the calling. So today we're going to look at what is a husband? I know, just like what is a wife, right? Uh, we're going to explain husband's headship. And then we want to know how is the husband the head of the wife. So what is a husband? Explain the husband's headship and then how the husband is the head of the wife. As we get back into it, re remember, 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 there is an opposition. There is an opposition. We're, we're struggling with trusting God, that, that God's way, God's rule God's statue is the right way. So, so we're on this fence with, can I trust this? Can I trust God? And meanwhile, there's a voice in the back, the evil one, with his doubt and deception and denial. We're going to get into that in, later in Ephesians. In the next chapter, there are principalities and worldly forces of, of the demonic side. And, and Satan has, has corrupted this and corrupted our minds. And we have to have a gut check as we come in here today and say, how much? Because I know we're thinking I'm, uh, on a scale, I'm at 0%. I'm all God, right? It should be this way. Satan has no impact on my thought process. Really? Be surprised. So what is a husband? Well, turn back with me to crazy. Genesis 1. You know, if you're reading a book, where do you start? You start page one, right? It's a crazy concept. I know this, the Bible, 66 books, you know, written by about 35 authors over 1500 years. And, you know, that th this was just put together just by human hands. No, no, no. The Bible's brought to us through the Holy Spirit. And so when we look at page one, and ironically, Genesis begins with in the beginning and Revelation ends with the end. And we don't want to treat this like a, a book. Depending on how big your Bible is or how your page is, chapter one, page one, we get into, well, here's God as the creator and we'll start at, at verse uh, 26, then God said, let us make man, man in our image, according to our likeness, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over the earth and over the every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. That's not a reference to their wives. Okay. Verse 27 and God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him. Here's the biggest news of the day. Male and female, he created them. That's it. 
male and female. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. The tyrant of the universe lays out the first law. Be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth and subdue it and rule over it. The fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over every living thing that moves. A man is and always has been a male. It's, there, there's male and female. When we look again at Scripture, every time we see the description of what a man is and what a woman is, it's only the women who, uh, I hate to shock you, that you know give birth. Uh, can we see that in Genesis 3? It's the, the woman who gives birth. She's the one that part of the curse, I'm sorry, ladies, is it's going to hurt. And it does. Um, and it's beautiful. But she gives birth. And the guy, he works. Adam. Adam is his name. Adam is also just what man means. It's, it's the same thing. It's a, a, a masculine pronoun, right? We, we got to know our pronouns. We got to get our pronouns straight. He's a he and only a he. Um, Ha-Adam is the feminine pronoun for she. In Ephesians or in Genesis 2.18, we see, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a suitable helper for him. Again, the man is a him. And out of the ground of the Lord will form every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called the living creature, that was his name. That's his job. And the man gave names to all the cattle and all the birds of the sky and every beast of the field. For, but for Adam, there was not a suitable helper for him. It wasn't good that Adam was alone, that the man was alone. He needed not just a helper, but the perfect compliment the perfect compliment was you know what we need to do to start the creation of the earth we need 10 dudes <laughs> don't miss that the husband and the wife team is an unstoppable team it's a beautiful thing it's a male and a female it's fantastic it's better than 10 dudes so the Lord Verse 21, God caused a deep sleep to fall on the man and he slept. And then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh uh, at that place. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man. The, the woman, her, her name, her identity, it, it's from the man. So, so the, the one becomes two and the two become one. Isn't that interesting? And the man said, this is bone of my bones. This is me and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. This is how God designed and created. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. The male and the female, they come together. They become one flesh, their husband and wife. That's what a husband is. Where did husband come from? It came from God. He created the institution. Again, be very, very careful when you undermine something that God established. You want to do something else? Name it something else. Don't, don't try to hijack or, or, or re-merchandise, you know, we're gonna have a new, a new grand opening, a new brand. Just, just be honest. But see, Satan isn't honest. He's never been honest. He always wants to deceive and, and, and be like God, right? And so he wants the whole earth and everybody to think that they're like marriage, that it's close to marriage. It's not marriage. And when you undermine it that way, well, it's bound to struggle. I was talking earlier. We're, today we're talking about building buildings and, and how the foundation, if the foundation, the very first starting point isn't perfect, then, then, then it's, it's going to fall down. We have to learn to be 
you know, the phrase precision in language, right? To be precise. You know, we, we got a little lulled to sleep, didn't we? We thought, man, how much does it matter? You know, there, people are goofing around with their pronouns and stuff. What's the big deal? It didn't take long at all, did it? Didn't take long for people to, to re-identify themselves to now people are mutilating their bodies. I, I, I can't think of anything more sick and destructive. It's absolutely insane. It's, it's demonic. It's, it's demonic that people could even suggest such a thing. You don't let your six-year-old walk two blocks down the street alone, much less let a surgeon have at him. It's bizarre. But it's not bizarre when you understand who they serve and who their master is and how a little lie can blow up into a big lie because if you undermine the foundation, well, well, I'm not really following this anyway, right? So let's make it up as we go. Let's redefine this. You know what? I saw this movie and uh, they look like they got along okay doing it. Let's do it that way. Let's, you know, live like pretend. The husband is, is not only the man and, and the male, he's a male figure in the marriage. We see in 1 Timothy, he's the, the husband, the male of a wife, of one wife. We were reading about his role. He's, he's the manager. He's the overseer of the garden, of the land. And the wife is, is the helper. And they, they work together as a team. There, there, there's no uh, dis, uh, diminishment here. Uh, they're, 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 it's a team effort. They have a distinction in roles, which is what we see in Ephesians 5 through 21 through 33. And it begins with that the, the husband is the head of the wife. And then the wife is then called to submit to the husband. And that's where it all falls apart. That's where it all begins. That's where the solid foundation begins. I will build my house upon a rock. The cornerstone of the relationship, the cornerstone of the understanding of male and female and marriage and the relationship is then vitally important that we understand that, that this is how the role begins. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. What is a husband? We have to erase some of our misconceptions. A husband is this guy. He, he, he's, he's the male figure in the marriage. He's the, the, the head of the family. What, what is he actually the head of? When we talk about two becoming one in Mark 10, 8, and, and, and some of the roles, well... There's an attitude that comes before the action. An attitude that comes before the action. Well, what is that attitude? 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. An attitude of love is patient. This guy, this husband, by definition, needs to be patient. Love is kind. He needs to be kind. Love is not jealous. It does not brag and is not arrogant. Again, the, the lie, the misinformation that he's going to be a male chauvinist. He's going to rule with authority. He's going to be unfair. Is, is, is that what we see is the pattern of the characteristic trait of, of what this man is supposed to be? No, he's supposed to be a loving person. Love is singular here, which means you don't get to pick and choose. Which means this is what love, singular, is. It's all of this. All of it. It's, it's patient. What is patient? Long-suffering. Be willing to suffer 
through this thing a long time. I got about two minutes. <laughs> Shape up or ship out. That's not love. He has to be the, the example of that as the husband. He has to be the example of kindness. If, if he's not being patient, if he's not being kind, then he needs to repent. He needs to change immediately on the spot. Confess his sin and repent. That will set the tone as the husband. That, that's who a husband is. He's the guy who does this stuff. He's not jealous. He doesn't brag. He's not arrogant. It's not about him. My headship. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the man of the house. I'm, that's arrogant and braggadocious, isn't it? No, he's supposed to be humble and selfless like Jesus. And we'll get into that next couple weeks. Verse 5, he does not act unbecomingly. Does not seek its own. Love doesn't seek its own. It, it personifies it like it's a, a hunger seeking what it, what it can eat. It, love doesn't satisfy its own desires. It's do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with the humility of mind, regard others as more important than yourself. That's love. That's why we go over it and over it and over it. Because we, we, we need to not only put it in our minds, put it in our hearts so that it comes out practically in our lives. It's not easily provoked because it displays self-control. It, it does not take into account wrong suffered. There's no score sheet. It doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. The truth is scripture. It rejoices with, the, you know what? Confront me with God's word. Show me. This is how I'm supposed to be. And you know what? You're, 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 you're not meeting up as the, as the husband. You know what? You're right. This is the standard. What's the standard? Why? Well, I, I, I want you to, you know, I want you to go berry picking with me. And, you know, I want you to, to, to mop the, the, you know, the kitchen floor with me. Whether you do or don't do that stuff is up to you. But that's not a, 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 a biblical thing, Right? A biblical thing is rejoice with the truth of Scripture. Be willing to bear it all. That as, as the husband, you bear that burden. You wear it. You bear the burden. You, you hold the oak. You carry the load of the worry and those things. Have hope. Believe in all things. Believe that this guy can do it. Give some hope and some confidence. Have some belief. He, he's, he's not quite there yet. But I, I, I hope in all things. And again, back to kind of the first thing, being patient, endure all things. You do that and love never fails. Who doesn't want this guy? There's no disassociating between what love is and, and what a husband is is supposed to be this guy this male figure this is who he's supposed to be and he has that responsibility not only in attitude but action first peter 3 7 says we're to live with our wives in an understanding way be understanding of our wives first timothy 5 8 the husband is to be the provider well, nowadays, it doesn't quite work like that. It works better when the husband is the provider. Read a couple books, secular books, not Christian books, that talk about how two incomes and, and, and the woman being the, the, the major provider is not working. Our society is falling apart under that structure. Now, keep in mind, there, there's time periods, right? You get, you know, two 20-year-olds that get married and, you know, they're working together and, you know, and then everybody grows up and grows out of the church and, you know, understand there's a time period, right? And Proverbs 31 outlines it in, in pretty clearly that a, that a woman can work. Uh, we're not saying that, but there's a, a, a time and a place and a way for that. And especially when you're raising children, who's supposed to raise your children? You are supposed to raise your children, not the state. You are not strangers. You are. It's a cre 
What a crazy concept. Let, let's, 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 not, let's, not, let, let's think logically here. You have a male and a female, and they're going to get married, and they're going to team up together. Okay, and you guys need to work. So, you know, we need to put, you know, bread on the table. Somebody's going to have to go out and work every day. And, and, and one of you is going to have babies and not be able to work for nine months. Theoretically speaking, right? Which one should be the provider and which one should be maybe the homemaker? The one who, you know, let's say they have five kids. You know, some crazy people do that. Um, <laughs> It's a lot of time of not working. The system, that, that doesn't even make any sense. Well, I have an idea. We can just ship them off and have other people raise them. How's that working out for our civilization and society? That experiment is not working. It's failing. It's destructive. Um, it's hard to raise kids. It's crazy little sinners. No offense to my. It's hard. It's a full-time job. So the God says, husband, you be the provider. You go out and you hunt. You go toil the land. You go work. You go bring home, do the bacon. And, and the teammate, the helper, who's going to stay home and half the time be pregnant or raising a baby, um, we'll do this thing together, right? We'll, we'll hash it out together. Because remember, again, our first commandment is to be fruitful and multiply. So that's part of our role. And Mark 10.44 reminds us that we're to be servants. So this, this husband is a servant to the family. He's a servant. He serves his family in work. It's not a, a kingship. He's not just sitting on his throne in the, in the house pointing fingers. Uh, honey, you missed a spot. Um, I was thinking, you know, prime rib but I don't know I changed my mind nobody's talking about that the Bible never talks about that there's no place in in a marriage that, that conducts itself that way Colossians 3 18 through 20 reminds the husband to not be harsh there should never be any harshness this guy is humble. He's a servant. He's gentle. He's patient. He's kind. He's not harsh. Sounds great. Sign me up. But more importantly, remember, marriage is God-ordained. God created. God created this. Be very careful how you understand that and so God made husbands and he made wives he made these two people to come together and then what's the second thing we see now well this husband has a title he has a role and, and it's headship it's headship turn with me to first Corinthians 12 first Corinthians 12 verse 12 even as the body is one and yet has many members all the members of the body, though there are many, are one body, so also is Christ. The, the Christians, we are described as the body of Christ. It's a really cool thing. We're given special gifts. Some, some people have spiritual gifts in different areas than others. It's the balance of those gifts that makes us strong. We don't, we don't all want to be the same thing. Well, that's particularly important in a marriage. We, we read earlier that the, that the wife is the rib, right? In this personification of the body, the wife is the rib and, and the man is the head. One body, still one body, but, but there's distinct roles. And we see how this is laid out. For by one spirit we were baptized in one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink one spirit. We're united. For the body is not one member, but many. The sum of the parts equal the whole. If the fool should say, because I am not the hand, I am not part of the body. Because I'm not the head, I'm not part of the body. It's not for this reason any less. The rib is not any less part of the body. Shall the foot say, because I am not the hand, I am not part of the body. It's not for this reason that any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not the eye, I am not any part of the body. 
And so we see that, look, God is, has given us this picture that, that we make up the body. And, and in this body and in our, our, our homes and our families, well, it's, it's the husband, it's the man who's described then as the head. Can only be one head. Okay, we're not like, you know, two-headed monsters here. There's one head. It's an appointed role. It's, 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 it's distinctions and, and, and rank. We use the term head all over the place, don't we? He's the head of the department. You know, we use it as a form of a leader, as the boss, as, you know, the... We, we'll, we'll say, you know, we'll have plaques, you know, head of dot, dot, dot. What does that mean? He's the only guy at work? No, there's a whole team of people who work with them, right? They work together. But there's one guy who gets blamed. There's one guy who's accountable. There's one guy that when he looks at the team and the team is like, well, we want to do this and we want to do that. And he's like, I've taken in all this input and all this knowledge, and, but I have to make a decision. One person needs to make that decision. You won't get very far in the teepee with two leaders, right? At some point, it has to come down to one. And God has ordained that to be the husband. Now, the, the, the wife has an amazing role as the helper. The wife has an amazing role spiritually if a husband and his wife is wise to seek his wife. I, I look at it this way. It's, you know, we, we've seen those things where it's like, all right, to launch the nuclear missiles, we need two keys, right? So, you know, a husband walks with a click, I'm ready to go. And wife's like, nah, it's so fast. Let's talk about this. That's a good thing. That's a great thing. What a blessing it is to have that teammate and that partner. What do you think? Maybe wifey thinks through things a little bit differently than you do about moving across the country, right? About changing jobs and careers. You might want to get her input for that. That's a good thing. Maybe her input is better than yours. As the head, you can take that information and go, you know what? Great. You're seeing things a lot clearer than I am. We're going with that. And if it blows up, I still get blamed. And that's okay too. That's okay. The, the husband as, as a headship, well, it, it, it's an appointment. It's just an appointment. Verse 28 in 1 Corinthians 12. And God has appointed in the church... First apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, then gifts of healing, administrators, and various kinds of tongues. Look, God has appointed us with these gifts. And God has appointed us with these roles. It's a God-ordained thing. The husband, as the, as the manager of it, um, is how God has designed and, and set this up. Re- remember, uh, First Timothy 2 gives us, again, some insight. Because maybe now you're going, yeah, but why? Why does it have to be that way? Right? I'm just as smart as he is. True. Nobody said you weren't. That was never the issue. Capability. Never the issue. Any guy want to match up to Proverbs 31? Uh, no, thank you. She's pretty amazing, right? But... 1 Timothy 2 tells us this. Therefore, I want men in every place to pray, lifting up thy hands without wrath and dissension. I likewise want women to adorn themselves proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold pearls or costly garments, but rather by means of good works, as befits women making a claim to godliness. Let a woman quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness, But I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority, it's the headship, over a man, but remain quiet. Why? Fair? I think it's fair. If if I was doing homiletics, that would be what I would do. Why? 
Where, where else is this in the Bible? Where's the first place that this is mentioned in the Bible? Um, this, you know, I live in 2023. This doesn't seem very good. Um, why? Verse 13. You know why? Because Adam was created first. If anybody in this room can change that, then we can change this. It's, it's, this is God ordained. It's just, this is how God wanted it. This is how God set it up. This is how God designed a man to be. Think about that for a second. God has designed a man to be the leader. God has designed women to be nurturing and gentle, right? So you have the, the perfect balance. A little Johnny comes in and he scrapes his knee, you know, from playing around the you know, and mama comes and hugs him and kisses boo-boo and says it's going to be okay. And dad says, suck it up. <laughs> who's right and who's wrong? Praise God for both. Johnny needs both of that. God has uniquely designed the wife and the husband to think differently, to see differently, to approach things differently. Yeah, sometimes we're, you know, a guy's softer and a girl's tougher. Um, but, but God has created us differently. And, and it's because he created man first that this whole role has been set up. Then Eve and, and if you need more, verse 14, it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being quite deceived fell into transgression. So don't blame me, blame Eve. Don't blame the preacher, the pastor. And you know what? Don't blame Eve either. This is how God designed it. God designed it this way. And it took the first woman to kind of uh, prove the model in essence. And it's like, look, we're, we're, we're going to have the, the husband be the head of this thing, the head of the family. And when Eve sins, Adam's held accountable. Adam is held accountable for Eve's sin forever. Is that fair? Yeah, because that's how God designed it. That's how, and God designed, you know what? Quick questions. Hey, Adam, where were you when Eve was hanging out with the serpent? Why weren't you protecting your wife, keeping her in the, whatever, you know, can drop that metaphor. Hey, Adam, where were you when your wife was being assaulted by the serpent? Hey, Adam, didn't you train your wife? Hey, Adam, weren't you discipling your wife so that your, your wife could withstand this evil? Hey, Adam, you know, the world hasn't changed all that much because they're playing off the same playbook as Satan. Do you guys ever talk about this at the dinner table or at night when you're praying? Did, did you do that? That's why Adam gets blamed because he's the head of his house. He's supposed to protect him. We'll get into this. In, in later in Ephesians, he's responsible for her holiness and her cleanliness and her, her that she's presented back to God unblemished. If, if, and we got to look at it this way. Our, our wives, our children are on loan. They're not ours. I'm, I'm speaking to the men. I, I, I love my wife like none other. I, my, my kids are just the, the, the joy of my life. They're not mine. They belong to God. I'm my, my call then is to make sure we talked about my vision that they all get into heaven, right? That's my job. That's my role as the head. That's my headship. It's not some kind of crazy, uh, uh, power hungry guy. The headship then is a servant leader. We've been talking about this. The servant leader. This is how Christ did it. We watched how Christ did it in the manger as a baby. Emmanuel, God with us in that manger, being born in a barn. And so the how, how does this process, how does this work? How is the husband the head? Well, remember, it starts with, okay, Genesis 126, that go outside and work. We, we've, we've been looking at this for, for a few months now because of our study in, in uh, Revelation, but we're, we're called to, and I just, 
love this passage. First Thessalonians 4.11. Make this your ambition, your vision. Make this your ambition. Lead a quiet life. Attend to your own business and work with your hands. It's an amazing thing when you're busy working all day, minding your own business, not worrying about everybody else. How great life is. Turn the TV off for five minutes. Set the podcast aside and just work. Just is there not enough to do in the family structure? And so it begins again. And this is why it's so healthy and why God is so, so smarter than us and wiser than us as he says, listen, I've got an idea. You go work all day long. The days are evil. We just read about that in, in early, in a couple verses. Uh, we're talking about the comparison between uh, walking as an unwise man versus a wise man in Ephesians 5.15. Making the most of your time. Why? Because the days are evil. You think it's a surprise that people can stay at home now and have their little phones everywhere they go and evil is escalating in all kinds of various forms that you couldn't even possibly imagine. I, I know that's just dumb luck. But maybe we, we do what God says and it begins with that husband. It begins with him the, governing the animals and, and going to work and whatever his job is, if it's naming animals or plowing the field or tending to the herd, you know, whatever that job is, go work. Keep your head down and, and, and work and come home tired and provide for the family. And, and then, you know, you come home and, and the, the, the meal's there and the kids are there and they've done all their thing with mom and you get to do your family thing and talk about the Lord and praise God for this day that he's blessed us with and pray about your, your neighbors and your friends and, all, and do it all again. How is the husband to be the head? It's it's a majority shareholder thing. If you're familiar with how you know companies work, it's like, well, I own the Seahawks. If I own fifty one percent, fifty one percent of the company, I'm called the owner. It's weird. You could own forty nine percent, nobody knows your name. I own fifty one percent. I'm the owner. Why? Because I have I have the vote that ultimately will determine the decision. That's it. Just by, just by that small percentage. I can own 51% everybody else. 5,000 people can own 49%. It's my responsibility to, to take in that information, but then to make the decision for all of us. It's, it's a heavy burden. It's a, it's a burden to take seriously, not lightly. And, and, and good shareholders will do that. Understanding again, God speaks through the body of Christ. God speaks through your wife. God is speaking through your wife too, husbands. Lean in on them. That's a, that's a, a, a phenomenal thing to be able to share with your wife. Sometimes we see a, a struggle in this, the how-to, the the, it's, it's not happening. We're, we're not getting there. If you love lead, like scripture says, not the world, the world says, well, if I buy her some jewelry, you know, after we fight or send her some flowers or take her on a trip once every five years, then, you know, we'll define that as a good, healthy marriage, right? I mean, she drives a sweet rig, you know, what does she have to complain about? That's, that's not what the Bible says. That, that's not what, what the husband's supposed to do. He's supposed to be the, the leader in, in the pillar of, of the fruits of the Spirit. Right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. He sets the tone and the standard. He sets the tone and the standard for what love is. And then, surprise, here comes the dirty little word. The submission comes easy. It comes willfully because who wouldn't want to follow that guy? So I'm going to re reverse this a little bit. Yeah, it's we, we, we look at this and we say, wives, be subject to your own husbands. And you're like, right, women, are you listening? Did you hear that? Submit. Men, are you listening? 
be a worthy person to follow. Now, yeah, God has called uh, our, our wives to follow us. Even if we're unbelievers, they're supposed to follow us and win us over in silence even. Think about that for a second. When we talk about to what extent do I submit? Even if he's an unbeliever, you're still called to submit. In, in God's infinite wisdom, th there's a blessing and a benefit there. And you can win him over in silence. But for the guy who's sitting there concerned about this and, 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 our, and our women are too, and it's like, look, if the guy does what he's supposed to do, they will follow him willfully. People have followed men into battle to die. People follow them into causes and, and riots and all kinds of crazy stuff, right? Because that person has so inspired them, has so, so shown them by example, his character, that that's a person worthy to follow. And they will do it willfully and happily. And so if there is tension, then that's something to be evaluated. Then it might not be the, the wife's problem. Maybe she isn't struggling with submission. Maybe she's struggling with you. And she wants to be biblical, but you're making it hard. You're, you're like the, the, the parent that's provoking the child. You're making it hard for them to follow you. Ironically, we see that in the next chapter. Well, listen, we've been for the last four or five weeks talking about this submission and subjection word. And we're trying to get you biblically to understand this is not a bad word. This is a word that Jesus embraced completely and fully. Jesus, the third person of the triune Godhead. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, served us through serving, through his body, through enslavement. And we gristle. You, you got to change that. You, you, you have to change that because if, if you have elements of that where you look at this and you go, eh, that's, a, that's a faith thing. And that's about trust. You, you either, either you don't trust your man, but really you, you're not trusting your father. You're not trusting Jesus. You're not trusting that Jesus is really in control of this ship. Um, He's the one driving. And so if you're, if you're struggling with that, you, 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 you need to confess that before the Lord. And it's not always that easy. It's not. There's a lot of things in the Bible that we all struggle with. Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, right? I mean, we, we struggle with that. Um, so we, we don't take it lightly, but we, we, we recognize we, we want healthy relationships. We want healthy marriage. And, and this is the pattern that the Lord has set. He knows. He knows. We don't know. We're, we're foolish. And especially when we start looking at the outside world as though it has some answers for us. It doesn't. I was thinking about it this way. Abner Doubleday. Who knows Abner Doubleday? Oh, pretty good. Abner Doubleday, you should all know him. He invented baseball. <laughs> Crazy game. Baseball is like the opposite of a lot of other sports. You know, the foul line is actually a fair line. It's kind of, you know, the, there's no time. It's just innings. So, so there's some different things. Well, this guy invented this game. He set the rules. We don't just get to come and go, well, I don't like that rule. I'm going to change it. It'll change the entire complexion of the game. This is what we do when we look at God's word and we go, well, I'm going to change this. I'm going to, I'm going to fix it. Just be honest. I don't like what you're telling me to do, God. Be honest. Say it out loud. And then how does that sound? Because that's what the truth is. And, 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 and when we look at scripture, we have to, we have to confront ourselves with it. 
and, and say, you know what? I, I, I need to do better at this. I, I need to do a, a better job at being submissive to this husband that, that the Lord has given me in this process of marriage that God has ordained. And we're going to look at what this really looks like uh, next week when we see how a husband is supposed to love his wife. You, you think submitting to this husband is hard? The, the role of the husband, I'm not going to say it's hard. I'm going to say it's beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. And to think that if two people are have a vision to live this way, then they'll live happily ever after in a real way. Let's pray. Lord, we can't thank you enough for guiding us.